Before we get to today's episode, I wanted to quickly thank our sponsor, King Made Jerky. Been a great sponsor for both the live show and uh, Trap Trawl podcast. Their buffalo jerky is hands down the best jerky I've ever had. You may have seen me stuffing my face on, on the live shows. I'll be back about halfway through this episode to tell you a bit more. But for now, you can learn more and purchase your own at kingmadejerky.com, and we thank them for our sponsorship. Now on to the show. Randy here. Real quick, I want to uh, set up what this episode is. It's an in-depth conversation between Tron and Justin Lauer. Justin's one of our young hitters on the Corn Ferry Tour this year. Their conversation took place at the end of March 2019 at the Savannah Championship. Justin was just coming off a runner-up finish the week before in Louisiana. And to bring it to current day here uh in the early parts of August 2019. Justin currently sits 42nd on the Corn Ferry regular season points list. You'll note that the top 25 automatically receive PGA Tour cards, so he's out of that group as it stands, though this weekend's tournament in Portland is the final event of the regular season. Justin will qualify, however, for the Corn Ferry playoffs, which begin a week from now and uh, consists of three weeks and in those playoffs there are another 25 cards to be given out so we're really hopeful one way or another that uh, Justin can earn his card and play with the big boys next year as far as his story it is incredibly impactful and I promise you're gonna want to stick around and, and listen to it so without further ado I'll get out of the way here is Tron and Justin Lauer all right, welcome back to the Trap Draw Podcast. Tron here and joined by one of our other young hitters, Justin Lauer. Uh, Justin, fresh off a probably best finish of your career, right? Yeah. Last yeah. week in uh, Louisiana. Uh, tell me about the week last week. Uh, it was a fun week. Uh, the food is second to none. Maybe other than the Kansas City barbecue that we get when we go out to Kansas City. But it's I love the golf course. I love the tournament. And um you finished third there last year? I finished third last year, so and I'm trending. You, and then you played a mini-tour event? <laughs> I played a mini-tour event the week before just to... In that area? Uh, yeah, just it was an hour and a half north of uh, Lafayette in Alexandria, Louisiana. Uh, it's where the Monday qualifiers were for the okay. Louisiana Open, and uh, I won that one, so playing well, I guess. Yeah. I, I guess I like Louisiana. <laughs> yeah. So. We need to get you into the Zurich or something. Yeah, right. You know? That'd be sweet. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, so let's go back to the beginning. How'd you get started playing golf? What, what's your, what's your, uh, career progression look like? Just take us from the beginning. Uh, yeah, I played my first ever, uh, junior tournament I, when I was eight. My dad just took me golfing one day at a course called Riceland Golf Course in Orville, Ohio. And, uh, we went out and played and, uh, there were some signs that we saw for a junior event the very next day. And uh, I asked him if I could play, and he signed me up. And I was, um, I think I was eight, and I was I was so nervous. I couldn't eat breakfast that morning, and I was, like, dry heaving on the golf course because nothing would come out because I didn't eat anything. But I was, and I ended up shooting 62 from the Reds for nine holes and finished second. And you I, were addicted from that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think I lost by nine. But, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it was uh, just the the competition aspect of it. Uh, was fun and I played baseball growing up and I uh, when I was 13 I had to make a decision because it was too hard on my parents going from baseball game to golf tournament and, or golf tournament to baseball game vice versa and uh, I chose golf and uh, now I'm here and you're from northeast Ohio yeah okay uh, born in Akron lived there till 2000 or 2001 I forget when we moved and then we moved to Canal Fulton which is a 
smaller city. Um, Canalful, it has just under 5,000 people. Um, it's just south of Akron and just west of Canton. Okay. So, yeah. And and as far as as far as getting your dad to take you out there, was it was was he a golfer? Was he? I he, mean, he played. Come from a golfing family. Uh, not really a golfing family. Um, he has uh, three brothers. Um, two of them golf. One also died when I was. Uh, he died of a heart attack when I was. Uh, I think it was eleven or twelve. But my two uncles still play. Uh, my one uncle is pretty good, Gary. Uh, even though he's the oldest of the four, he can still get it around for uh, his age. But my dad played. He was a high 80s, low 90s player. Uh, okay. Played a huge slice. Um, he used the old um, blade putter, like a Ben Crenshaw type of style putter. I still have it to this day. Uh, I don't know if I'll ever use it in a tournament, but maybe if I'm really searching one day. But um, <laughs> um, and he always uh, he always chipped with his eight iron, and he always told he's like, you got to chip with the eight iron. And I always I go straight to the 60 or the 56 and uh, I actually had a 56 before I ever had a 60 I had to beg him to give me a 60 degree wedge because he's like you don't need it and I was like yes I do everyone else has one <laughs> so um, I had to beg him to get a 60 and I, uh, I remember when I first got one my first one the first one I remember having I don't know if you remember the pure spin wedge oh yeah the diamond yeah. face yeah. yeah I still have it to this day <laughs> uh, I think it's at my mom's house but uh I, I got that thing, and I loved it, and I would hit these crazy spinners with Just it. Just ripping, yes. yeah, and, yeah. But it would tear the crap out of golf yeah. balls, and it was I didn't get golf balls for free back then, and uh, <laughs> so I had to pick and choose which ones I would use. So, uh, um, But, yeah, and uh, he would just take me to the golf course, and he had a bunch of friends and just uh, family friends that he would play with, and I would just tag along, and whether it was with his friends or with his uncles, and I would I just loved it, and... So going so going forward from that from that first junior tournament you played in was it was it pretty fast and furious from then on where you were just always begging him to take yeah. you to the golf course or yeah for sure and um, I started taking lessons um, kind of like when I was nine ten eleven and uh, a course called Chippewa Golf Course which is just north of Canal Fulton in Doylestown um, I started taking lessons there from one of the pros Don Only. And uh, he noticed that I kind of, not excelled, but I was improving at a faster pace than everyone. And um, he told my dad that I needed to consider getting away from, like, junior sets of clubs and getting into more of a full set of golf clubs. And uh, luckily, my mom's dad lived in Doylestown, so I could go to his house, and he'd take me to the course and take me to lessons and whatnot. And um, developed a good relationship with them, and they would let me go out th that golf course, and they would let me go out and play. And um, I start playing from the red tees, and I got pretty good from there. I would shoot a couple under from there, and he's like, "All right, it's time to move back to the whites." And I'm like, "I don't want to. I like, <laughs> I like shooting under <laughs> this par." This is fun. Yeah. So uh, then I eventually started moving back, and um, I was kind of smaller. I I didn't hit a hundred pounds until I was in seventh grade. Okay. So I was just real skinny and didn't hit it very far. And uh, I've come a long way because I looked at some of the comments on Instagram. I've been called pudgy. Uh, <laughs> Somebody called you the, the, the chubby JT. Yeah, right? I, I don't see it. But, <laughs> I uh, didn't see that either. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, maybe the pudgy part, but I don't think me and JT look anything alike. I don't see it. Yeah, I yeah. don't see that one. But uh, yeah, I've come a long way since then. Uh, played mainly just local junior tournaments. Um, didn't really have the the funds to do AJGA or anything like that. I played some Callaway Junior Series events, which were, they were bigger in scale, um, but I only played like three of them. I, I played one at Duke, Duke's course. Okay. Uh, I finished third in that one. I played in two more in Ohio. Uh, one in Ohio I played, it was um, after my senior year of high school. I shot 76 the first day and just played terrible, and then I shot 64 the second day. It was only a two-day event. And um, I had tied the leaders, and I heard the leaders were struggling, kind of. And uh, two of the guys had fallen off, and uh, the one guy was three under walking up 18. And if you won this tournament, you got into the Westfield Junior PGA. Okay. And it was in Ohio, and I'm like, I, want, I always wanted to play, and it never could win the local qualifier that the Northern Ohio section had. And uh, this kid holes out from 120 to beat me by a shot. <laughs> and I was like just devastated and uh the tournament director actually heard about it and they gave me an exemption into the tournament which was pretty cool i didn't play very well but like uh some of the names from the tournament uh playing 
Oh yeah, on, that's on a, tour that's a big time tournament. and on yeah. the web now, and it's it's pretty cool. Like Andrew Yoon was there. I remember uh, John Hahn, who was a local that I grew up with. He played the European tour uh, quite a bit. Um, he doesn't play anymore, but uh, yeah, there were some big names in that event. It was pretty cool. So. so what? So so when did you really start to? I mean, uh, like when when you started working with was it Don only? Yeah, yeah. yeah so so kind of. Where did you really start to get your your most improvement, or or what what time frame, or was that? I would say probably not until uh, college. Um, I stopped working with Don. Just we kind of grew apart. Like I, when my family moved from Akron to Canal Fulton, I started playing at Lions Den Golf Club in Canal Fulton, and um, the pro there, Andy Lyons. Um, I was out playing with my uncles one day in the summer, and he noticed he saw me hit a tee ball on the first hole. And he's like, hey, we have a program out here where kids, they work for free golf. Like, they go and pick up the range, and then mm-hmm. they get to play. And I'm like, that sounds pretty awesome to me. And there were about uh, 10 of us that did it. And we would pick up the range when it needed to be picked, and we had to hand pick it. We didn't really have a cart to do it. I mean, it's just kind of the way lines then is. Yeah. And uh, so we would go hand pick it. I mean, I'd spent long summer hours out there like drinking a cherry coke and just picking with a shag bag just all these random golf balls and uh it was kind of like a vicious cycle because like so you had to drive down to the range it was like a block away from the from the clubhouse so you had to drive down to it and he would send us down in golf carts and he would still send people down to hit balls so we would pick up one side of the range and while other people <laughs> were hitting it and then we would and they'd, they'd flip yeah they would flip so we would go pick up this side and they would start hitting on the side we just picked up. So it's like, what is happening here? <laughs> but um, we couldn't really, we would complain, but he wouldn't do anything because he's like, all right, you can't play for free anymore. We're like, well, we still want to play for free. So um, so we, our complaints were not really met, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we got to play and then uh, going through high school, I didn't really have any coaches. Um, I worked with one uh I worked with Andy a little bit, but he was afraid to, to kind of mess with my natural talent, I guess. Everyone tells me I kind of have a natural ability to put the club on the back of the ball pretty consistently, and um, he didn't really want to mess with that, and he always said I needed someone with more experience. And uh, tried working with a guy named John Moldovan, which is at Prestwick uh, Country Club, which is the course I basically live on now, uh, okay. where my fiance and I just bought a house. Um, and uh, worked with him a little bit, and I, I, there was an article in the paper, me and another kid, uh, Drew Davidson, in high school. I think it was our junior year of high school. Me and him were like the two rivals in our county, and uh, we both worked with John, the John Moldovan, the pro, and uh, Drew was more like the range rat, like the grinder, and like I remember I went to John for a lesson, and I was like just striping it, and he's like, what do you want to work on? And I'm like, I don't know. Just tell me what to work on. He's like, you're striping it. You don't need to work on anything. <laughs> just go like, play, right? Yeah. And I'm like, well, let's go work on putting or something. And he's like, he had me do the three, six, nine putting drill. And I finished it one time. And he's like, what are you, like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> just go play. And I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll just, sure, I'll go play. And so I just, I just didn't really find a swing coach that kind of, I guess, met what I needed to work on. And because I guess I don't know I I don't know if they were too afraid to change anything cuz I had it wasn't an unorthodox swing but it wasn't textbook. I mm-hmm. kind of had early wrist set and picked it up and kind of dropped it under and would play big draws and uh were you experiencing a lot of success during high school as yeah, far as high like, school tournaments? Yeah, I like I won a fair share of local events. Um I was very good in high school golf. I won states my senior year. I won by 3 shots even though I shot 80 79. It was like 40 degrees each day and, and it was on scarlet and they would they would tip it out and yeah. they would they because yeah. um the coach at ohio state said he didn't want any high school kids uh thinking they could compete on the college level right away so uh he, he would make it tough and uh with the accident um with my dad and brother i i took school hard like i didn't i didn't want to do high school anymore so my grades suffered and i didn't get the the scholarship offers that I thought I would get. And then I went to, I ended up signing with Malone University, which is, uh, it's a division two school now, but it, it was NAIA at the time when I was there. Okay. And uh, it wasn't till my sophomore year is really when I like 
started to see like a ton of improvement. When I went into college, I thought I would be pretty good right away and like I um I was really into like stats and like titles, like all-American status and like stuff like that. So I would learn who these guys were and then like we played a pretty good schedule for the NAI, so I would learn who these guys were. I was like, "Oh, this guy's a first team all-American. Like what is he doing that I'm not?" That was like the benchmark for yeah, you. Yeah. Yeah. And um like, I was so concerned, like, my freshman year of making All-American, I would ask my coach, like, what do I have to do? Well, you probably need to win an event or, like, finish top ten in an event. So I finished mm. top ten in a big event. Okay, what else? Okay, you need a win. So I won our spring invitational my freshman year. I was like, okay, what else do I need to do? He's like, okay, you probably need to win conferences. I finished second in our conference <laughs> to someone from our team. I'm like, is that going to hurt me? Like, I was so <laughs> concerned with it. He's like, I was like, what else can I do? He's like, you a good finish at nationals can only help. So I finished 10th at nationals my freshman year, but I was in eighth going in the last round and I was, I shot two under on the front and then I shot 42 on the back. Like I was a nervous wreck. I uh -huh. was so like, it was before I had learned how to like finish off a golf tournament. And, um, I was so concerned like where I was on the leaderboard that I couldn't focus on hitting golf shots. And, um, that summer is when I, I played some like regional amateur events and had some success won a couple of them and then uh going into my sophomore year i had some pretty high expectations and um i won three events my sophomore year finished eighth at nationals again um and then going into my junior year is really when i saw a ton of improvement i won six times my junior year and i lost two playoffs that year as well so i could have had two more wins on that year and then uh I won nationals. Uh, I won by six shots. Uh, shot four under in kind of crappy conditions. Um, that's when I started playing the national collegiate events mm -hmm. or national amateur events like okay. Northeast Am, Western Am, stuff like that. And uh, made match play the U.S. pubs that year, and I got smoked the first round. I was I was kind of nervous going into it, but it's uh, when I really started seeing improvement and like maybe thinking like golf could be a future for sure. And um, then my senior year came, and I won six times again, uh, finished third at nationals, and um, I stayed amateur after, like, immediately after college. I, I never made it to a USAM, wanted to do that, uh, finished second alternate, the local qualifier, so never got in, and um, turned pro in September of that year, and then kind of just went from there till now. It's almost like you the whole time you just never knew how good you were. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I never knew, because, like, even in college, like, I didn't have the funds to play all these national events. Like To these, truly test yourself yeah, against like, the best. Like, I played the Northeast Am. I played terrible, though. I finished, like, 60th, and, like, these guys are shooting crazy good scores. And, uh -huh. like, I kind of had the feeling, like, I didn't belong as well, because they were all Division One players, and I'm just this little NAI player who, he won nationals, but, like, what does that equate to? Does it equate to like a big time, like a SEC or a Big Ten championship, or does it equate to something smaller than that or bigger than that? So like, did you ever have any any coaches from bigger schools after your sophomore year poking around, seeing if you'd transfer? A little bit, but I didn't really entertain it because we were good as a team as well. Like, and you were thankful to that coach for giving you a chance. Oh, 100 percent. And I met him my eighth grade year. Okay. And he's one of the best human beings I've ever met in my life. He's if there was a top five in my life, he's one or two. Yeah. Um, I should probably knock him down to three and put my mom and fiance in <laughs> one and two. <laughs> but uh, um, but he's he he not only cared how I did as on the golf course, he cared about my schooling as well because he knew my situation going into yeah going into college and whatnot, and he knew college would be a fresh start for me, and um, he did everything he could to help me, and I'm. Very thankful for him. So going back, um, I'm sensitive to, you know, I know it's no. a tough thing to talk about, but yeah. you referenced the accident. Mm -hmm. What happened? What was what was the story there? So uh, March 26th, uh, fitting, today is March 26th. Yeah. Uh, March 26th, 2005, um, my dad and brother were in a very severe car accident where they both passed away. It was a single car accident. Um, my dad was on his way to pick... Uh, me up from the golf course with my brother and uh i had seen them earlier that day my brother my dad was a big bowler um he was actually pretty good he had three perfect games okay 
and um, he would go on these bowling tournaments, and he'd take me and my brother along, and his his bunch of his cousins and our cousins were in the in the events as well. So I had a whole bunch of my family there, and my dad's part of the family, so it was nice to mingle with them, kind of grow up with them. And my brother and I were in a bowling league, and that Saturday. Um, my brother and I had the league in the morning, and then my dad dropped me off the golf course. And the last time I saw them was when I got out of the car. And uh, um, it was uh, it was around it was a nice spring day in March in Ohio, and it was like 65 degrees. And I mean, I'm out there in t-shirt and shorts playing golf. I think I probably played at least 27 holes that day. It was just another day for mm -hmm. me out at the golf course, and. Uh, um, it got later and later at the golf course. My dad hadn't picked me up yet. And it was in that age where cell phones weren't like, they weren't like an accessory like they are now. Like they were kind of more out of necessity or for emergencies mm -hmm. only. And my mom kept calling me and she's like, uh, where are you? And I'm like, I'm still at the golf course. And, uh, dad hadn't picked me up yet. And she came and picked me up. And, uh, so we went back home and just to see if he had forgotten or something. And, uh, so we went back and we went back home and they weren't there. And then we went back to the golf course to see if we could intercept them. And I mean, this is like a 15 minute round trip, okay. like not, not much space is to be covered in this circle where we're driving. And, uh, so we would know if we would pass them on the road or something like that. And we never saw them. And, um, so we went back home and my mom called the last known place he was at and they said that they had heard of an accident on Marshaville Road, which is the only road from Marshaville, Ohio to Canal Fulton, Ohio. And my mom knew instantly. I don't know if it's that mother's instinct, but she knew instantly it was them. And we took off on that road and we drove up on the accident and uh, it was uh, it was pretty intense. Um, I mean, it was just kind of dusk at that point, and, like, there were uh, paramedics there, there were police there, and the lights going up, and the, uh, one of the firefighters came up, and he was like, do you know the people in the car? And they're like, yeah, that's, I'm like, that's my dad and my brother, and my mom is, like, inconsolable, mm -hmm. and she's, like, screaming at the top of her lungs, and he's like, unfortunately, they are both gone, and I just, I, I didn't know what to think. Like, I'm 15. I was turning 16 in a week and a half. Uh, my birthday is April 4th. And um, I had to grow up very, very quickly. And I had to be there for my mom. And, like, um, I had to call my mom's dad because she couldn't talk to him. Uh, we were just sitting there in the car, and I was like, hey, I need you to come. And he lived in Doylestown, which is literally in the next town over. It's, like, 10 minutes away. And he came over and... I called um, my dad's dad who came over um, and uh, we all just kind of met in the car and um, it was it was then I learned I had never known my dad um, was an alcoholic but it was then I learned that he was an alcoholic and that it was a severe problem for him. Um, there were signs afterwards like I just didn't pick up on because I was a naive teenager mm -hmm. who when you're 14, 15, you think you have everything figured out. Like, you're going to go through high school, you're going to go to college, and especially if you play a sport and you ca you're kind of good at one, like, you think everything's going to work out. And, uh, I, I mean, it didn't work out the way I thought it would. Yeah. Um, my life hasn't been the same since that day. I'm always kind of looking over my shoulder now. But uh, it's uh, it changed my life for sure. I mean, how long did it take, like, did you, did you take time off school? Did you, how do you, so, how do you recover from something like that? Um, luckily I was, I mean, I say luckily, um, but I had spring break that following week. Okay. So I didn't have to go back to school right away. And then, so we had the fun the calling hours and the funeral and I had never seen a gathering like that. There were people I hadn't seen in years showing up and it, it just showed like how many people actually truly love my dad and our family and mm -hmm. it was it was nice to see even though you don't you don't want to see it i guess yeah. uh it's definitely a situation you don't want to be a part of but um but like i said i had to grow up very quickly and maybe i lost some of my teenage years like the f 15 to 18 like 
I did, probably didn't spend them the way other teenagers do, like with their parents. And like my mom and I were close, but like it was always me and my dad. Like he always took me to golf tournaments, and my it was always my mom and my brother. So my mom and I like it's not like we had to re meet. It was kind of like, hi, how have you been? You had to forge a new relationship. Yeah, almost, absolutely. Right? Yeah, and um, like I went to I went to therapy for it, and like I mean I was. 15 turning 16 like it's supposed to be some of the best years of your yeah. life and uh how did golf play a role did you uh, it was did you it, just pour yourself into the yeah, golf it was therapeutic i remember the first time that i went to the golf course i still remember it to this day it was a nice day in ohio and uh it was a it was a day where a bunch of kids were at the course a bunch of my friends and because we, most most of us were on spring break, and then there were some of the older guys out there playing golf, and um, they were all there for me, and they were all it was it was very nice, and it was just it was therapeutic, just being on the golf course to where I didn't have to think about anything other yeah. than golf. And uh, there were times where, like later that year, my grandpa would come and pick me up um, to take me to the golf course after school, after I would get off the school bus, and. Uh, I would go into my brother's room looking for a piece of clothing or something I had left in his room. And I'm like, Chris, where is that? And then I realized, oh, my God, like, he's not here. Mm -hmm. And, like, he'll never be here again. And it was, I don't know, you live, he was 10 at the time, so you live with someone for 10 years, and he's always there. And same with your dad. Like, you ask your dad for some money like to go get a Coke or something, go get a Polar Pop, which mm -hmm. is 69. Dad, can I have a dollar or something like that? And like it, you never get the answer that you want. And I would, I would give anything to go play a round of golf with either of them or just to spend time with them. And I always, I always think like, would my brother be here caddying for me? Like, would my dad be here watching events? Cause I see other guys with their parents here and, and it's not jealous or envy, but it's like, wow, that would, that just would be what nice. If, right? Yeah. Yeah. So how has it propelled you in your career? It's a motivator for sure. It keeps me going. I don't know if I always ask myself, like, would I be where I am now had that not happened? And um, I think I would be, but I don't think I would be as I feel like I'm a pretty gutsy player. And I feel like I don't think I would have that without that having without that happening. And uh I know that sounds wrong to say when you kind of step back and look at it, but it's it's the way I feel, and it, it, it motivates me. Like, I want to play well for them, and not just myself, but for them and to honor them in kind any way I can. Helps you put it in perspective, too. Oh, absolutely. Hey, it's just yeah. golf. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm like anyone else. I get worked up on the golf course. Yeah. And sometimes you kind of have to take a step back and realize that it's not everything. It's just a game. Hey everybody, real quick, Randy here again. Uh, we got to pay the bills, even even on the trap draw. Gripping and ripping belongs on the course, not when you're eating a bag of jerky. King Made Jerky, the official jerky and meat snack of the PGA Tour, uses only top quality ingredients, including premium grass-fed flank steak, which requires far less salt and sugar to deliver a nutritious, tender, flavorful snack. Uh, started by Jeff King, who's a professional caddy on the LPGA Tour, he was fed up with bad, unhealthy snacks you find on the road and was looking for quality nutrition to fuel his players. Kingmade's premium beef jerky is not only delicious and tender, it's low in sugar and sodium, which has created a following from some of the world's top golfers and hardcore fans. Created right there in Jeff's home kitchen and refined with input from top players between the ropes, Kingmade jerky is perfect for on the links, at the gym, or in the boardroom. It's premium beef for a better class of carnivore. Learn more, purchase your own, check out kingmadejerky.com. Again, that's kingmadejerky.com, and we thank them for the sponsorship. Now, back to the episode. So when you turned pro, mm -hmm. uh, so so that was the plan after you graduated was to yeah. turn pro. Yeah. And then take me through kind of the progressions. And yeah. I uh, My first tournament was the uh, Toledo Open, um, which is run by the Northern Ohio PGA. Uh, I finished third. I had the lead going in the last hole and I it was my only hole uh over par for the week or for the weekend it was a two-day tournament um made double in the last hole finished third and I was I was devastated but I was like all right this is I can do this like there were some mi cool mini tour players in there Carlos Sainz won the event okay 
Yeah, he's played like here a on validation, tour. Yeah, though. yeah. I was like, I okay, I can do this. And then I went down and played uh, played some e golf events uh, that uh, late summer, like right before Q school starts up. And everyone's like, "Are you doing Q school?" I was like, "No, I didn't get the money in time. And mm-hmm. I didn't. I had help from Titleist, ball, shoes, and gloves, but I didn't have anything monetarily. Mm-hmm. Monetarily, so." Um, um, I had a friend back home who helped me out, and he gave me a lump sum of money, and he treated it as a loan, and it was it kind of grew interest every month, and uh, so um, I played the uh, I went down to Orlando and uh, lived with some buddies of mine, and that winter and uh, played uh, the NGA Winter Series, which was unbelievable for, I mean it was kind of the gauntlet for me, like all these college all American division first team all Americans that I'm. Those guys that you were benchmarking. Yeah, that I'm yeah. benchmarking against. I finally get to play against them, and, like, I struggled. Like, I think I'm – there were 12 events. I think I made five cuts, but the cuts I made, I played pretty well in, and I missed – I think I missed two cuts by a shot where I would make a late charge at the cut and just didn't have it that week. And mm-hmm. I wasn't the golfer – near the golfer I am now back then. Um, I was very raw and kind of green, I would say, and didn't know how to – compete real I knew how to compete but not like I didn't know how to go low Brian Ritchie shot like 20 under in a three-day event and I had never come to anything <laughs> close to that like that event that, I think I finished, that wasn't even in the cards no I think I finished eight under that event and finished t5 and I was like ecstatic <laughs> but I was 12 shots back a leader in three rounds I'm like he picked up four round four shots around on me I'm like there's no way I can do this but I just kind of kept at it and played some Played some on the NGA tour that year, not a whole lot. I, I didn't really have the funds to do it. And then I played the Ohio Open that year, which was – I never played the Ohio Open as an AM. It always coincided with another event that I was playing. Um, and I won that event in a playoff. So that was the biggest check of my career, $9,000. And I thought it was <laughs> everything at that moment. Um, and have you paid back that, that, yeah, that so loan Yeah, so I paid back that loan in 14 months. Okay. Um, and it was uh, it was validating. But um, to continue with that, I went to Q School that year. It was the last year that it was PJ Tour Q School. Okay. Uh, breezed through pre Q, played really well. Uh, was noticing improvement, and um, went to first stage and shot 65 the first day of first stage. And I was like, this Q School thing is going to be a breeze. And I didn't break par the next three <laughs> rounds. And uh, I I was on the number going in the last day, and I was. It was intense. Like, that's when I knew like what guys actually play for, and like, like it's your livelihood, and you need to buckle down and like get really good at it. Mm-hmm. And um, I spent that winter in Myrtle Beach and played the NG. They had a NGA Carolina Winter Series. They had twelve events up there, and they had forty, fifty guys every event. Um, I think I finished second three times and finished fourth on the little money list, and uh, joined the NGA tour that year and. Uh, I had a really good year that year. I finished second on the money list, won twice, and uh, during those two wins is when I was able to pay that loan back. Okay. And that was all in like a 14-month span. So that span is when I improved dramatically. Um, what years was this? Or um, basically 2011 to the beginning of – the end of 2011 to the beginning of 2013. Okay. And uh, that's when I noticed my biggest improvement. Um John Curran won the money list that yeah. year, and I finished second. Um, but I did edge him out, so they had the first 14 weeks was a race for the Reno-Tahoe exemption, and I was able to get that, fortunately. Nice. I squeaked it out by, like, I played every, like, they had these little summer series events that counted toward the money list. I played every one I could just to, like, try and keep my lead on him because he had won twice as well. Uh-huh. But he was also getting exemptions into web events and PJ Tour events. Um, so... I was able to keep a lead on him and I got into the Reno Tahoe and I was, I wasn't ready for it. I played terrible. I was like, that was your first web or first PGA web tour or PJ yeah. tour event. And I, sh- I was, I joke, I was, I was minus six after the first round, but it's the only tournament you don't <laughs> want to be there. Right? Yeah. It's Stableford. <laughs> so, um, and then I think I, I gained one point the last round. So I, I shot minus five in my first PJ tour <laughs> event, but it was on the completely yeah. wrong side. Were you just nervous as I'll get Oh out, yeah. The, and, it's Montreux Golf Club. I don't know if you've ever been out there. It's not a course where you want to be nervous. Like it is tight off the tee, and the wind was kind of blowing. And I, I, 
I bogeyed the first hole, and then I made like a, I made like a sick. It was when the PGA Tour app was. It was like all blue, and they would still yeah. put the like the shot link numbers up. I made like a 69 footer for birdie on my second hole, <laughs> and I was like, all right, we're back in this. And then I doubled the next hole. I remember. So I didn't quite know the rules of the Stableford. Like if you're putting for double, you can literally just pick up. And you're, I was, I was like, grinding for I was double. grinding over a five footer for double. So I'm like, who were you playing with? Who were you playing um, with? I played with Lee Williams and Aaron Watkins, okay. who had both graduated from the Web Tour uh, that previous year, which it might have still been the Nationwide Tour at that point. Okay. And uh, I had played with some good players, like in the winter series. Like I played with Robert Streb that year, and I, I had heard he had status, and I was like, wow, you have Web status, like. What's that like? He's like, <laughs> I have crappy conditional. I haven't played one yet. But it was that year where he worked his way in, and uh-huh. he he won out there and then graduated to the tour. So I was like, I was just trying to absorb, like, all the information I could. And just, like, back in the college, I was, like, benchmarking these guys. Like, okay, like, can I compete with him? Can I compete with all these guys? And then that year, um, 2013, I made it to finals of Q School, and that's really, like, was my first big test and I finished it was the last year it was six rounds and uh I shot eight under for the six rounds which was good enough for T73 or something like that and I was four shots out of the full status the guaranteed starts okay. and uh the PGA West the stadium course ate it ate me alive that week I shot 66 on it one week or one day but um my other two rounds were 76 and 77 and had I shot even par in one of those rounds I would have had full status so you look back on just those little yeah. increments and six rounds, like you save it under a shot around and you have full status. So it's like the definitely could have done it. <laughs> yeah. And like guys who had, I had beaten on the money list that year, um, they, uh, they had gotten full status. So I was like, dang it. Like I beat these guys all year and now they, yeah, they're in a better position I am. But I ended up, turning that into 13 events through Monday qualifying. I kind of came up with a formula for Monday qualifying and I I stuck to it and I use it even to this day for rounds where I feel like I need where I need a low one. And um what's the formula? So I it's going to sound so simple. <laughs> so on a let's just say par 72. There's four par 5s. You take care of the par 5. So you're four under right there. You get let's say there's four par 3s. You give yourself four good looks you're bound to make one of them. So you're five under right there. You get two more, you're looking at a 65 just like that. That's if you par the rest of the holes. Yeah. Now, granted, golf is hard. They're, the bogey-free rounds are very <laughs> rare, but usually when you Monday qualify, you have bogey-free rounds, and like you know when you... Yeah. You know you have like a sense of accomplishment after you've played to where you know, okay, that was good enough to get in. And it took me like three or four Mondays to where I got comfortable doing that. And... It just all led back to those um, times in the winter, those winter series events, just learning how to go low and stuff like that. And uh, my first web event was Valdosta, and I finished uh, 38th or 33rd, something like that. I was two shots out of a top 25. I, I don't even think I knew that a top 25 would get me into the next week at that point because I was still learning of the whole process uh-huh. of everything. And there was a reshuffle that next day, and the BMW was the next event, and the BMW's big field. And I was one of the last people into the BMW, and I finished ninth that week, nice. which got me into Raleigh, which I would have not not gotten into. And it was also – so back to the Monday qualifier in Valdosta. So I played the Monday, and I had um, I had written a request for an exemption in the, the memorial. And I did it the year before and got denied. And then it's like a college application, it felt like. Because it, it was like a let, like I had an introductory letter followed by accomplishments, <laughs> and I was trying to like relate everything I could to Jack. Like, uh-huh. hey, I won states at Scarlet where you played college golf and that you redesigned, and I won the Nicholas Award in college, which is named after you, and all this stuff. And I'm from Ohio, and you're from Ohio, and I like just tried to do whatever I could to make that connection. Yes, yeah. and um. So I played that Monday qualifier, and I shot 65 and had to wait. So I went to Chick-fil-A with a couple guys, and then I came back to the course. And I noticed after my round, I had a voicemail from Dublin, Ohio. <laughs> and I was like, maybe, maybe not. And I was like preparing myself to be rejected again. 
So I listened to the voicemail, and it was Denise McBride, who's the secretary of the tournament director at the memorial. And uh, she's like, hey, just give me a call back at your earliest convenience. And I'm like preparing myself just, hey, good try. We're yeah. Just try it again next year. Uh, hope you have a good season and all that. And uh, and it was, she's like, um, did the tournament director call you? And I'm like, no, I didn't. I haven't heard anything from him. And uh, she's like, hey, he just wanted to let you know that you're in and he was super excited for you and I was I I didn't know what to say I was like you've got to be kidding me like there's no way I'm playing the memorial like it's almost a major yeah she's like no you're you're in the field and I called Drew my agent like five minutes later he's like he basically said GTFO he's like there's <laughs> no way and I was like dude I'm in yeah he's like okay I'll call and confirm it and commit you to the event and uh so after I played and made the cut in Raleigh finished like 40th and Drove up to Columbus that next day, and it was uh, it was a pretty fun week. Did I I didn't play well. I missed the cut, but it was. Did you feel more comfortable than you did out in Reno? Though? I yes, hundred percent. Like I was close to the cut line for most of the thirty six first thirty six holes, and um, played with Brandon Grace and Billy Hurley, and they were they were great. Billy was on the web the year before, so he knew like what I was going through uh -huh. and stuff like that, and he played well and made the cut. He uh, he he had more hybrids than. <laughs> anyone in the greens but he's he was stuffing them and he he hit some unbelievable shots yeah. and uh played with brandon and it was the year before he had played pretty well and then that year he kind of struggled but then he started playing well the years after that like i think it was was it 15 u.s open where he was that chambers i think that was at chambers where he was in contention yeah he was so beating, yeah yeah and he hit that ball OB on that it's short part four. Yeah. <laughs> the, was it the train? <laughs> it was a train yeah. track, I think. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it was So it was cool to see that there. And um, I struggled on the web that year. I, I think uh, after Raleigh, I think I only made two more cuts. And uh, they weren't great finishes. But, like, I had cool moments on that year, like um, the Cleveland event. That doesn't exist anymore. It was a regular season event. That's it, such a good course, too. Oh, yeah. Well, that's um, so that's uh, Canterbury, but Lakewood Golf Club, Golf and Country Club, um, is a great golf course. It's uh -huh. just a northern Ohio golf course, tree lined, awesome. But the 16th hole there, um, I made a one, and it became Sports Center number two, <laughs> uh, and it was behind a dunk from Ray Allen of all people during the NBA Finals okay. with the Heat. And uh, unfortunately, LeBron was playing with the Heat then. <laughs> and uh, but I, that was like one of my cool moments, and it kind of like got me onto the golfing scene, I would say. And yeah, because like, like um, the memorial was the week before that, and uh, like it, my story kind of got out there, and it just kind of got me into the golfing world, I would say. And then I went back to Q school that year, and. Unfortunately, double bogeyed my last hole to miss going back to finals by a shot. So I had to do mini tours the next year and had a good year on mini tours. Uh, didn't win any, um, but. Um, it seems like this whole story is just kind of coalescing to where you get you get more and more context yeah. about just, hey, I'm good. I belong yeah. out here. And you just add that in and then, you, yeah. and then you apply it the next year. And, you know, and it's like, it, you know, progress isn't a straight line or no, anything. No, it's, it's mine is. Zigzag is that crazy. Um, went to Q school that year. I birdied my last three holes at first stage just to miss by a shot. Like when I finished, I was in, and then I mm -hmm. wasn't in. Some kid birdied the last hole to bump me, bump me and a couple guys out. And then uh, I did uh, Canada Q school that following year. Um, had a very unfortunate situation. So I Monday qualified into the Louisiana Open the week before. <laughs> finished 20th. Um, top 25 got me in the next event and I was like hey this is some momentum I could turn this into something maybe but the next event was in Brazil and you need a tourist visa to go and I couldn't get my v I couldn't get my passport to a consulate in time to get oh. the visa so I missed out on the top 25 and I was stressed out about it during the Canada Q school because it was in the week between those two events and I played bad in it and got crappy condition i was like two shots out of full status on canada and or the mckenzie tour now and i got uh crappy conditional and i was like seventh alternate for every event uh -huh. and in uh, this whole time had you thought about going down to latin america at all i thought about it but uh, i mean i'm on a team now with four guys who 
have succeeded. <laughs> just have succeeded. Charlie and, yeah. Charlie and Brandon on They have it. succeeded very well on Latin America. But, like, I heard all the horror stories of, like, yeah. the travel and, like, the expensive food, the too, food yeah. and the expenses. And I'm like, I'm going to go somewhere where they speak the same language, if anything. And uh-huh. I, like, everyone told me, like, if I could get up to Canada, I could do very well. Yeah. And um, got crappy conditional, went up to the first three, which are beautiful places, um, Vancouver, Victoria, and Kelowna. Like, they're unreal yeah. spots, but um, I just couldn't get into any of the events. Um, did the Monday qualifiers for him, had no luck, and uh, said, okay, I'm not going to do that anymore, and just played mini tours the rest of the year, and just really grinded, and just trying to prepare myself for Q school that year, and made it back to finals, and didn't play very well, and uh, I think I, I played okay, but I had, like, I think I had four triples or worse that week. It was at Orange County National. Okay. And the court, it was kind of cold that week, and I was playing okay, and then I like I made a triple on a hole, and then like the next hole, like the second hole, the next round, which is only like 12 holes later after that triple, I made like another triple, and it just like kept compounding. And uh-huh. I, like, I finished 89th, and somehow I turned that into 13 events again through Monday qualifying and whatnot. Uh, my first event yet that year was at uh, Victoria National in this Indiana. Is, this is 2017? 2017, okay. yeah. And um, I Mondayed into the Wells Fargo that year. Uh, that's the year it was in uh, Wilmington. Okay. And, uh, Eagle Point? Yeah, at yeah. Eagle Point, which was unreal. Place looked cool. Yeah, yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, turned it into 13 events, but I I didn't play well. Like, I made seven cuts that year, but... My best finish was like twentieth in Knoxville, which was a small purse. And are I you starting to get frustrated at this point? Like a little bit, and, yeah. And doubt yourself, or you, or are you still that summer for sure? I had s- some doubts creeping in. Like, do I have what it takes to? Like, I I know what it have to. I know I have what it takes to be out here, but do I have what it takes to like win out here, or compete out here even? And um, Knoxville, like I I. I think it was the Ellie May, the one in San Francisco, where I put the stamp on the wedge that went viral. Um, I didn't think it would go that viral, <laughs> but it went pretty crazy. Um, I finished, like, I was in 30th at one point during the, the fourth round, and then I finished just terribly. I bogeyed, like, four out of my last five to finish, like, 50th. And I didn't get into Springfield, Missouri the next week. So I went home and just worked my butt off that week, and... Knoxville was going to be close to whether I was in or out, and I went to the Monday qualifier as first alternate. Had an afternoon tee time, shot three under on the front, still wasn't in, shot four under in the back, made a 20-footer on my last hole, which would have been good enough to Monday qualify. As I'm walking off my last hole, I get a phone call that I'm in the event. (laughs) So I didn't sign my Monday card yet, so I was WD'd from the Monday and got in on my number, which allowed other people to Monday. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, I played well in that event. I was T8 going in the last round, and I played with Taylor Gooch, who ended up winning that week in the last round. And I learned a lot about the way he played that that day, and you have to be cutthroat about it. Like, he went out, and, like, I could tell, like, he was going to win that event. Like, he had a... said that look in his eye. Yeah, and, like, that charisma about him, like, this is my event, and I'm going to win it. And he went out and he played flawless golf, shot six under, didn't make a bogey, and went out and I think he won by two. And then he, and that propelled him uh, into the, like, secure in the top 25. Like, he moved to, like, third on the money list. Mm-hmm. And then he went on tour. And now he's, he's having he's success. Yeah, yeah. I, I think he's hurt right now. Yeah. But yeah. Um, and I think he had an injury last year, but he had, he had some early success at what the was beginning the, of this season. What was the wedge stamp? I remember it, but for So in 2016, the, the Warrior, the Golden State Warriors are most famous for having the best regular season <laughs> ever. But they blew a 3-1 lead against the Cavs. Um, many people forget that. Many <laughs> people forget that, but I will n- hopefully not let people forget <laughs> it. And um, so I got permission from the Cavs to put the championship logo on my bag that year. Okay. Um, so I got that logo on the bag just to, I just wanted to stir up some things in San Francisco because <laughs> Steph was playing in the event Yeah, and I had Titleist stamp a wedge. So I saw this on a, a license plate back home. It said L-L-W-L-W-W-W, which is loss, loss, win, loss, W-W-W for blowing the 3-1 lead. 
<laughs> and I was like, that is gold. I need to put it on a wedge, <laughs> and I need to show it to Steph, like, somehow. And I get there Monday, and I showed him. Like, I went and plopped my bag, like, arrogantly plopped my bag in front of him. And pulled out the wedge? And pulled out the wedge. I was like, I know, I respect you as a player, but I just want to say, you blew a 3-1 lead, and you guys had the best regular season ever, and I just have this to commemorate it. I should have got him to, like, sign the bag or something. But he thought he, he, he had every right to be, like, a dick to me right there. But he laughed it off, and he thought it was actually pretty cool. But then the very next day, he showed up with a bag that had two O'Brien trophies on it. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, you got me there. But uh, you guys will always be famous for blowing a 3-1 lead. But, yeah, back to uh, the golf part. Um, made it back to Q School that year. Um, through first and second stage, made it to finals. Um, played bad the first stage, but then started making a charge. Um, shot six under the second round, three under the last round, and then shot eight under with a birdie on my last hole to get into the top 45 to guarantee starts for the f uh, for my first time on the web. And I parlayed that into, uh, I finished 62nd on the money list with uh, one top 10. I finished third in Louisiana. And then... Uh, kind of the story with web finals yeah so let's <laughs> let's go into that because i yeah. was like I, like i remember being at atlantic beach yeah. that day and i remember seeing you mm -hmm. and it was really you know nobody really knows exactly what's going on yeah. it's all a little bit of a guessing game yeah and i remember you thinking all right i'm you know i'm good mm -hmm. because it, and you had a you had what like seven or eight footer on, on about 18. an eight footer yeah. yeah and and you hit a good putt i did too I, I have the video. So I had Kevin Prize, the head media guy at the web, send me the video. And I just use it as motivation. I just wanted to have it. And Did I, you know going into 18 that you needed so some dirty? I knew going into 17. So they had a leaderboard between 16 and 17 because you have that long walk from uh -huh. 16 green to 17 tee box. And uh, I saw the projected. I was projected 26. So I was like, all right, I need one. I laid up on 17 because I thought that was the play. Well, like where the pin was with the water left, the bunkers right, the pins front left, like you have to hit an absolutely yeah. perfect shot. So I laid up and I hit a 60 degree to like two feet. So I make birdie. So I'm like, okay, going into 18, birdie will probably do it for sure, but a par still might be good enough. Mm -hmm. Hit a good tee ball, had right in between. It was like I had to right, uh, I had a rope, a three iron to get, to get it all the way back to the pin. And I hit it good, and I tried to draw it into the wind because the wind was into and off the left. And I didn't realize it at the time until I saw the coverage afterwards, the the hop it took off the bunker. Like, it hit hard off that front bunker and went all the way back to the grandstands. So had it maybe gone in the bunker or kicked left, mm -hmm. maybe onto the green, maybe landed a little softer, maybe I would have had an eagle putt at it. Or I feel like I'm a pretty good bunker player. Maybe I could have gotten up and down from the bunker, even though it would have been probably a pretty tough bunker shot. With and it was wild how close those green stands yeah. were to yeah. the green. Too. And with the water lurking right there, like that bunker shot might have been pretty tough. So maybe it was a blessing. Maybe it was a curse. I don't know. So I got a drop away from the grandstands. And I had a pretty delicate chip because the green kind of runs uh -huh. toward the water there. And I hit it okay. I was, I mean, I was nervous at the time. I'll admit it. I'm human. I get nervous on the golf course. I feel like everyone does. If they, they don't, they're either lying to you or they have nerves of steel because nerves on a golf course and pressure on a golf course is unlike anything you'll ever feel. And uh, I chipped it okay. I made good contact, but I didn't really play as much break as I thought I needed to. And uh, had the eight footer, and I thought I had a good read on it. Kyle, my Caddy agreed with the line, and I hit a good putt, and it just kind of broke off toward the end. Could may, could I have hit it a little firmer? Maybe. Could I have maybe played a little more break? Maybe. But it, it just wasn't my time. And um, It was a very unique situation with one of my best friends, uh, Jimmy Hardke, getting the 25th spot. I, that would have knocked him out and me in. So I don't – It that didn't happen, so I don't know how I would have felt in that situation. Um and we had we had a moment afterwards, like because we knew like what it meant, uh -huh. and I wasn't the only one that could have knocked him out. Chris Paisley had a putt, uh, a couple groups behind me that that could have knocked him out as well. Um, but it was just an unreal situation. And like Ben Silverman made a putt on 17 that kind of knocked me out, and like it was just the, the perfect storm for me to not go in. But it wasn't just that putt. Like in Boise, I had bogeyed I bogeyed 18 three out of the last four rounds. 
or three out of the four rounds in Cleveland. I'm, I three putted my first hole of the tournament. I left a 30 footer on 18 an inch short, which would have brought me from 33rd to like 27th, which it would have been the difference. Cause the difference was only 490 bucks or something yeah. like that. It's like this, it's like butterfly effects. Yes. Stuff, you know, and I, then like, um, Scarlet, the first event I bogeyed my last hole and missed the cut by a shot. So it's like, you any one that of extra four hundred bucks there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So if any one of those, we've but talked about doing like a, a podcast where you can ask players. Mm-hmm. All right, you know, trace the success you've had in your career back to one shot. Oh, and you okay. could say back to that momentum run you were mm-hmm. on. That you know that that ninth gets you into the next week, yeah. and then you know that sort of thing, and then that yeah. gives you confidence. Or you know, going back to the the uh the ohio open yeah you know that sort of thing yeah it's it's incredible and it's just but it was my best year ever i didn't have to go back to q school um i had fully exempt status for the following year which is where we're at now and you never had that before i know i never had fully exempt you never even had guaranteed starts really right not until that year 2018 Uh, so to have a full full year which was nice and up until last week this season or the last two weeks this season hadn't gone as planned. Um, got off to a little rocky start in mm-hmm. the Bahamas, and we we haven't had great weather the first events. Like Exuma was actually pretty good weather, but I just didn't play well. Um, uh, but looking at it versus, you know, you could have looked at last year as, hey, I got so close and got yeah. down on yourself about it. Instead, you looked uh, at it as a success, yeah, and, just and a like, building block to, you know, hey, I'm going to get it done this year. It was just like any other year I had had, like. Like I said in the introductory video, like my career has always been slow and steady, but it's always been up. Uh-huh. Like I've I've taken some steps back, but like it, I've always seen improvement. Yeah, maybe not status wise every year, but now I'm starting to see that every year, which is nice. Um, and uh, which events are you most looking forward to this year? Um, BMW. I love BMW. It was my first top ten, so. And uh, I I like the two-course format. The mm-hmm. three-course format is tough, especially with – so that week we had the week before open, so you could go down there early and get some rounds in. Um, with the two courses, it might be a little easier to I, – I've played them both before, but to just learn how they're playing and to learn what, um, what course you're going to be on on what day and stuff like that. So the BMW – and it's a fun format with the, the pro-ams. Yeah. Like, the rounds do take forever, <laughs> but it is it is a fun format. And then um, Portland is it's I'm dying to get to that tournament. It, it is my most so cool. my most favorite course that we play, Pumpkin Ridge, with the history with Tiger there. And I think I'm I'm biased. It's my favorite course we play. But the mornings there and the late afternoons are unlike anything else because more than likely the sun is shining. More than likely it's not windy. And the sun peeks through the pines, and these pines are some of the tallest trees you've ever seen in your life, like 160-foot-tall trees. And the sun pokes through the pines, especially in the mornings with the dew and, and everything. There's, like, wet shadows. Yeah, almost. it's yeah. unreal. And I, I think it's just a special place. And I think it's... The town seems to come out for it, too. Yes, I mean, because um, they know what's on the line. Like, the card cere- there's a card ceremony at the end of that week, yeah. and... I actually stayed last year and watched the card ceremony, and it's a pretty. That um, was, I think, that was my favorite golf tournament I watched last year yeah. on on Golf Channel. Mm-hmm. Just and you, you, I mean, your heart's breaking for yeah. like a guy like Kevin Doherty, or, you know, like they, his chip. Like, how does crazy. that not go in? And then like John Chin, making that eight footer in on the last one and seeing his reaction, like I watched that reaction on Instagram like a hundred times that <laughs> night because it was so intense and awesome, because you could see what it meant, and that's yeah. like. You give anyone a putt to get on the PGA Tour, that's probably how we're going to react if we know that we need to make it to get on it. And that's kind of the beauty of this tour, that it can come down to one shot. So going back to last week, mm-hmm. what? Uh, how did you approach the final round? Just like I approach any round. Um, I got up, and I didn't, I'll admit, I did not sleep great that night. Um, leading, I know it's, still a golf tournament, but leading a web event is different than leading a mini tour event. Yeah. And like I had won a mini tour event the week before, but, and I'm so thankful I won that event, but there's a lot more on the line when winning a web event with the point system now and the, the exemption that you get Mm -hmm. and the status that you can retain from that. And 
what it can lead up to. I mean, it can change your life, literally. Back, like, back to what you said with the one shot. It can literally change your life. So, um, went into the final round. I made a 15-footer on the first hole, and I told DJ earlier, like, I thought I thought I was a pretty patient golfer, and I learned that I still need to work on my patience on the golf course. Because I'll admit, I was looking ahead several times during Sunday's round, like after number one where I made a 15-footer to increase my lead to three. I think it stayed at three at, for a couple holes. Um, and then on number four, I made a bogey. I'm like, oh, okay, crap. Like, I'm back to where I started. I think I'm tied for lead now, like what like am i gonna fall so you're watching the scoreboard the whole a, time a little bit like i want to know where i'm standing and okay. like i'm paying attention what the guys in my group are in and that's that goes back to the patience thing like you still you have to each shot is worth so much like you and you have to you have to have a the right amount of care and lackadaisical they um, all count the same yeah right? they all count the same like that three footer you have on thursday it all counts the same on Sunday. It's just the implications are different on Sunday. And that's where you think, that's where like people saying, oh, he choked. Not necessarily me, but the situation's like, oh, a choked out came in. Like, did he really choke? Like, it means the same on Sunday as it does yeah. on Thursday. It's just that everyone's watching it now and it means more. But it also means the exact same. It's still one shot. And like on the seventh hole, I hit uh, on a par five, I hit my second shot to four feet and I hit such a bad putt. Maybe it was the greens. Maybe it was me. It didn't even touch the hole. Mm -hmm. So, like, could that have been a momentum shift? And then, like, I made the turn. I birdied 10 and 12 uh, to regain a lead. But then I bogeyed 14 and 15. So I'm like, like, I, I told Kevin and the media afterwards, like, so many thoughts run through your head. You could literally write a book about them um, and all the different scenarios that you play over. And that's where you have to take a step back. And, like, we talked about earlier with the perspective thing. Like, it's just golf. Like, yeah. It doesn't matter in the long run. Like it does, it can change your life and it can take things away from you, but um it's it's just the way it is. It's Do you ever feel like your golf like I don't know, I felt like watching you the other day. I was like, man, that was that was that was pretty Cleveland. Like it yeah. was like you did it's, everything it's right. Very Cleveland. Like, what I do is there was just something else that yeah. happened there that like yeah, like when Vince got up and down from the water yeah. on the playoff hole, I was like like what? And I'll, How did that happen? I'll, I'll admit, like I I thought ahead in that. Like I didn't think I had it won, but I thought my chances of winning went up dramatically Very good, yeah. when that happened. And like I was like I hit a good shot in there to about fifteen feet and I was pretty pumped that I hit it that close knowing that he still had to hit a shot like he's taking a drop the he's hitting off somewhat of a hard pan line yeah. in the rough like that the ball could go anywhere and he's a great ball striker and he hit i mean the shots he hit in the playoff were unreal and to make a par after hitting he didn't hit that bad of a tee shot mm -hmm. like it took kind of a bad hop and went through the fairway like he almost hit it it's like a curse of hitting it too far at times like you go through a fairway into a high hazard but golf's a weird game like i did that i did the exact same thing he did on thursday's round i hit it through the fairway and into the water but still made par i made like a 15 footer for par which i mean long story like that comes back to me getting into that playoff and putting in putting myself into that situation to have the putt to win and to having to having two putts at winning i mean i would have thought i would have made one of them i hit the two putts I had to win, I hit the one in regulation, I hit a good putt. The second one I had to win was not a good putt. I kind of blew it by. And I had like a three-footer, and I kind of curled it in. And it kind of made the crowd laugh. And I even started laughing because I like snuck it in. And they were like, call, like, you know how the crowd is. They start drinking. They're like, ooh, snuck it in. And like, <laughs> um, So I kind of looked up and kind of tipped my cap and started laughing at them. But, uh, and then Vince made the clutch six-footer to extend and... And then it came down the last hole, and I just couldn't stop hitting it to 20 feet. <laughs> yeah. 20, like, I mean, just stats say, like, you're going to make it the closer you are to the hole. And I just, I couldn't hit it close enough. So, And he hit it. He The shot, he the last shot he hit was unreal. To hit it that good. Three feet and to make the putt was pretty good. But it seems like you've, you've basically taken the same tack with 
last week as mm-hmm. you did with last year. Yeah. Hey, it was it was a great week. I'm yeah. proud of what I did, and and it sets me up. I'm in a better position now than I was before. I am. Yeah. And I, I'm gonna keep it going. This early in the season, I've never been in a better position. So I, yeah. nothing but positive to take away. And like I did, I did everything I could to win that golf tournament. Like it just wasn't. I shot 19 under par. How many times you shoot 19 under par and lose? Um, and I 45 under my last eight competitive rounds. I mean, I'm playing well. I don't have anything yeah. to complain about. I made the be- biggest check of my life last week. I'm, I'm in a better, like I said, I'm the best position I've ever been on the points list slash money list. And um, it 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 wrapped last week wrapped up a lot for me. I pretty sure I won't have to do Q school again. Knock on wood. Um, I may have wrapped up the playoffs already, maybe a couple good weeks, maybe a, another top 10. And I, a win may get me on the PJ Tour next year. Yeah. So I'm in a great position, and I'm looking forward to the rest of the season. Well, I feel like it's coming soon. Right. I was talking to a couple <laughs> a couple of the other guys out there about peers and rules officials, and they're like, yeah, dude, he's, there's no doubt in my mind he gets his card this year. So. I hope so. so I so. hope they're right. <laughs> I, I hope they are too. Yeah. It's been, it seems like it's been a long time coming and a lot of self-belief and confidence yeah. and hard work. So, mm-hmm. Well, Justin, it's a pleasure to have you on our squad no we're I'm, uh we're thrilled this is awesome to be a part of this is my first ever podcast so yeah this is a pop you know, in the cherry here definitely so not as intimidating as they seem no it's not no <laughs> it's pretty low-fi not at all maybe if there were tv cameras or something yeah. like that but yeah. uh, no this is it's pretty cool and you guys are the the stuff you guys do i just want to say from no laying up to trap draw um it's all pretty awesome so well, thank from you. Us we appreciate that. You guys, thank you. <laughs> thank you. So yeah. well, we look forward to, to watching you this week and the rest of the season, and uh, and we're psyched, man. Justin, thank you, man. Thank you, John. All appreciate right. it. Max is the spot for that trap draw. Favorite trapper, the absolute truth, yeah, no joke. Who